Hey everyone, this is Matt. And I'm Kyle. And together, we're Casual Tutors. So today we're going to talk about spoilers. We are in another spoiler season, and who doesn't love spoilers? So we're going to kind of dive in, and we're not going to necessarily talk about the upcoming spoilers for Phyrexia All is One, but we're going to talk about spoilers in general. Kind of the environment around spoiler season, the perpetuity of it, and you know, kind of how it affects the player base in general, and then also kind of reflect back on other forms of media where spoilers aren't a good thing and for some reason the tcg world really embraces them and gets excited about them it's actually very strange to me because you hear the word spoiler and it immediately it brings out a negative effect to me like it seems like a negative thing in every single format other than tcgs speaking of that spoiler alert Hit us up on our socials. We got a Facebook, got a Discord, we got Instagram, Twitter, everything you can ever imagine. We want to hear from you guys. We want community involvement. We want to keep on growing, and the support we've been getting has been fantastic, but we want to maintain those numbers and just keep going to the moon. We, we're on there constantly. We've got it all set up. So if you guys have any questions, if you guys want to hop in our Discord and just chat with us, Matt and I are both available. Jumping right into spoiler season. I'm sure everyone is well aware of how magic handles spoilers. It seems to be a cycle that never stops at this point. Part of that's due to their release schedule that they had the past year. Even with the, you know, so to speak, supply issues, we never really stopped with new product. And with that new product was new spoilers, new news about the upcoming set all these kind of things that built hype and in my opinion used to be a bigger deal you know even just five years ago where we were going you know a month at least in between spoilers it's probably still not that bad for some of our friends who are standard only players people that are playing only in these rotating formats they're still getting that kind of month in between right but unfortunately for anyone that's playing any kind of eternal format such as Commander, the most popular format on the planet, you're getting these offsets as well. So it's, I mean, we're getting a week or two in between, it feels like, maybe. And even then, not really, because you're not only getting the offsets, but then you've got secret layers and universes beyond, or universes within, which is, I guess, the spoilers they're calling the new Street Fighter cards. Yeah, it's there's so much product, so many spoilers we're getting, that it really is a perpetual spoiler season, a never-ending spoiler season. And in case, you know, no one's heard, we got word from Hasbro that they do not believe that their current release schedule and product development is an issue. And it's something we could expect to see at least for the next year. They've already outlined that it's going to be very similar to this year. So perpetuity, this is what we're uh, in now. They said that they are, they're not overprinting cards, that everyone that says they are doesn't know what they're talking about. Yep, Hasbro's right 100% of the time. And what's also right is what Kyle kind of touched on at the beginning of this episode, and that's, you know, worlds outside of trading card games perceive spoilers as negative. TCGs, it's been a positive thing in the past. It's still people get hyped about it, even in the current environment. But we see it, you know, I distinctly remember reading the sixth Harry Potter book and, you know, jumping online you haven't finished a book just browsing you know what was it myspace at the time and then random chat groups aim groups whatever pop up hey by the way dumbledore dies and like wham world ended spoiler over why even finish the book in fact i had actually convinced matt before this episode started he was going to make an episode and just spoil every popular thing ever made but i told him that that was ridiculous and he can't do that severus loved harry's mother 
<laughs> All right. Yes. And that's, and, and it is interesting. And with something like this, this is a game, right? So we actually use these cards. It's not like a TV show that once you know the story hooks, once you know what happens, it's kind of, you know, ruined for you. The surprise is gone. This is, we're getting a peek at these cards we're going to see in limited, these cards that are going to enter into these formats we play. So it's nice to get a peek at them ahead of time, kind of plan out a little bit, look at what you want to buy. Matt uh, mentioned this to me too that I didn't even think about, but are you going to want to buy into this set or not? That's kind of going to depend on what cards are printed in it. A lot of the sets we've had in the last few years have been good, but Sometimes it's like if you have no interest in ninjas and vehicles, then Kamigawa might not be your place, you know? But if you're super big into the Art Deco style of New Capenna, maybe that's where you put your money. And that's kind of where these spoilers come into effect for the non-competitive people, I think. I think we've seen the evolution over the years of what Magic the Gathering wants, or Wizards (laughs) of the Coast wants spoiler season to be. It used to be kind of heads up, this is what the future set's going to look like. You know, you could start kind of building your brews or around this, that kind of thing. And I believe it's, you know, I'm not going to say it was with Hasbro's acquisition of Wizards of the Coast or anything, but it's definitely turned more financial for Wizards and for us as players. Because kind of like Kyle said, if a set doesn't appeal to you, you know, aside from the bomb, couple bombs here or there that are always going to be in every set, you're probably not going to buy into it at any level. And, you know, we always advocate for singles anyways, but, you know, we also talk about cracking packs being a pseudo addiction that, a ton of players have and again that addiction is fed by your want and willingness to buy a set and if it doesn't look good to you up front you're not gonna have that want it's gambling we're all gambling addicts and then on wizard side spoiler season being a financial tool is it builds that huge hype wave ahead of a set release if they're seeing low pre-orders from distributors and from wpn stores they could you know be hey Bomb card, Liliana the Veil, by the way, coming up in the set. They obviously don't have to tell us anything that's coming out, but they benefit greatly by sharing these chase cards. Hey, we're getting all the Praetors. They have these sweet arts. The only way to get them is to buy XYZ product. Get out there, buy it. Well, and I mean, half the time it's it's free advertisement, right? Because they give, they give all of these first looks to all these content creators and the content creators push it out to their audience. I'm doubting... Their audience pushes it even further. I know I messaged Kyle several times today about spoiler we just got it would be dumb for them not to do that not saying that a company being financially driven to make decisions and do releases is a negative thing obviously we've been seeing spoiler season there's always been that financial component like i said i think the emphasis on it has definitely changed the timing of it certainly has changed i think it's something better or worse we're stuck with for the foreseeable future And there are, like you said, there are some good aspects and some bad aspects. I think, you know, for example, look at Dominaria Remastered. When it was announced back in, what, September, August? Yeah, a while ago. It was was $175 a box. And they even gave us spoilers at the announcement that it was going to be released. Right. But now, after most, if not all of the set has been spoiled, it is now $200 more than that a box, at least. Yep, huge hype wave and well-deserved, like, Dominaria remastered, you know, it's in the name. It's a remastered set, which I think at this point, we got it with Time Spiral. It's better than a master set, especially this one. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't care what you want to call it, whether you want to call it pushed or whether it's, it is a good product or what. The, the cards in it are incredible. The reprints are incredible. But when you look on the other side of that too, now let's look at just singles and let's look at the secondary market. We do see, I, I think... 
I think the secondary market works a little bit better with the spoiler season because they're able to kind of do some predictions. And a lot of times they do see, when they see the shield or the apocalypse, they know that's going to be an expensive card. Now, yeah, it usually balances out a little bit and things kind of settle down. But I really think, I mean, if we didn't know any of these cards prior to release, I really think we'd be looking at a much longer time to balance and settle. Right now, in my opinion, waiting about two weeks is the sweet spot to order any standard set cards. Seems to be most people get their product, get it worked out, decide what they want. Prices settle, like Kyle said, and you know it really gives you the best purchasing power after a couple of weeks rather than trying to buy into the hype initially. Definitely don't pre-order. And that can go both ways. You know, you could, you could end up coming back two weeks and there's a really good card that ends up being more expensive than they thought. You could come back, and this is what mostly happens, is you come back, and a card that was expensive is less. It's still a little pricey, but it's less. Even if you end up having to pay more for like your, I don't know, Esper Sentinels, let's say. Let's say you, you pay more for your Esper Sentinel. When you come back along, and this is from personal example, you end up paying way less for your Ignoble Hierarch. And so you've actually saved money even though you paid more for your Esper Sentinel. And we also see the opposite with cards like Shouldred, where it was pre-ordering, I want to say right around the $40 range, and it stayed there for, you know, a week or two. And then just the kind of the oppressive power of her, especially in Standard, and just the way she pretty much slots into any deck with Black, because everyone's drawing cards on some level, made it so that she's now a $75, $80 card for just a regular printing of her. And there's definitely disadvantages to waiting the two weeks like that. But overall, the benefits of waiting for your singles is better. I guess that's where spoiler season really doesn't help my strategy of waiting two weeks. Like it's great. I know it's going into it after two weeks. I usually know what's good or bad. And you know, I obviously I have whiffs. Like I should have probably bought in the shoulder when she was 40 bucks. Cause you know, there's definitely people I kind of giggled at when they bought play sets of Phyrexian shoulder. for $110 for four. And now that's a hell of a deal. You know, we, we live and learn as players, the market fluctuates and, I, I think, honestly, you're going to find that you're saving more money waiting those two weeks than you lost by missing out on Shieldred. You know what I mean? It, is a card like that, missing out on a card like that, I think comes way less often than the benefits from waiting. As well as, you're still getting a benefit from spoiler season because it is still helping somewhat with things like limited and stuff like that. Because we, I mean, Matt and I do pre-release almost every, in fact, I think we've done it every single time since we've been playing together. I sometimes even will look through not just the rares and mythics, but kind of skim through some of the uncommons, the commons, see what the reprints are. We have had some fiery removal reprints in the last six months alone that have been awesome. Even just new removal cut down, you know, up front doesn't necessarily read like it's going to be super strong on the same level as Fatal Push or stuff like that, but it's a powerhouse. I sent I sent cut down to Matt during Dominaria United spoiler season, and Matt goes, no, that's bad. It's unplayable. I was and very meh because I can't read. And then he came back like an hour and a half later and was like, oh shit, I did not read that properly. That's really good. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, five or less. I, I specifically remember reading it the first time thinking, oh, power of toughness equal five? That hits like four cards in this set. Horrible. I was very wrong. And I, I'll definitely eat that humble pie. And that happens sometimes too. I mean, don't just don't just look at spoilers and think, ah, I've got every draft and sealed I'm going to do in the bag. You know, I expect to have some learning curve. Get the cards in your hand. Play a little bit. I like, I mean, if, you, if you're buying, I don't know, let's say if you're buying a box, 
rocks, you know, do some practice. That's something that I don't think a lot of people do. And and if you're in a bigger city, maybe it's not that it's not something you have to do because you got plenty of options to game and stuff. But like us in a smaller city, use arena to your advantage. Use if you're buying cards, maybe, you know, go down to your local game store, buy a pre-release kit, open it up, see what you get, work on building a deck, do some practice. It never hurts. Nope, and it really doesn't. And even in larger cities, it's a very rough time of year for in-store play in general. Everyone's super busy, holidays, finals, just heavy workloads. I was in Boise a couple weeks ago, and I went to one of the largest game stores in the country, and I couldn't get, they didn't have, they had a Pioneer event scheduled, didn't get the fire. I was the only person that showed up for Pioneer, which I thought was incredibly weird for such a big store. You know, Kyle said, you know, Arena is definitely a good option for getting those games in if you really want to. Definitely lean kind of on your, your local play group too because they might not be available for a set schedule on a Friday kind of like how like Kyle and I've been recording lately we've been picking it up where we can and that works just as well for magic yeah and I mean even us we have a great local game store that we do get to play at a lot and we still do drafts you know little home drafts whether that's a oh man we got eight people together let's sit at my kitchen table and do a draft real quick or hey we got 24 people we're gonna do a drinking draft and like just have a great time with it never be afraid to reach out to your local play group. I know a lot of us, those are our close friends. You know, we, we play this game with our close friends. This is our favorite hobby. So never be afraid to be like, Hey, you guys want to do this? Yeah. And you know, kind of tying in spoiler season. Like I said, I already messaged Kyle probably four or five different spoilers as I was seeing them today from Facebook, Reddit, whatever. And you can also use that to hype up your friends that maybe aren't so connected to the magic world. You know, people that are in your local play group, but you know, they might not want to go to the LGS. However, hard I want to try to encourage people to come and play with us at our LGS because I want a, a huge friendly healthy LGS environment there's some people that it's just not for them whether they're introverted or they just flat out like I said don't have time or whatever but you know bringing them into the hype instead of waiting for that hype to hit them is definitely something that will benefit everybody too yeah Matt and I are actually really friendly we're only bullies to each other and if you saw our texts especially during spoiler season we're 100% bullies to each other but not to anyone else. Yep. Kyle likes calling very good cards Dees. Dees doesn't even begin to describe some of these things. We're not going to get into it, but it was a very good card. It is a very good card. Matt Matt had to tell me how good it was, I think, three times, and I just kept sending Dees. Not because it's not very good. It's obviously very good. He's just building my salt up. I want to take a minute and talk about, you know, the current spoiler season. We can't... Kind of got something unique. Obviously, next month in January, we have the release of Dominaria Remastered. And where that set is following kind of with Wizards of the Coast game plan for releases caused them to change up their schedule a little bit, where instead of the normal two-week spoiler season, we got a two-day spoiler season. And it was very rushed, very fast. And I think it was a good choice for them with this set, particularly because they are all reprints. So there's nothing new to analyze. There's only hype to build. And I mean, mission accomplished on their part, like Kyle said, pre-order prices jumped 200 bucks for a draft booster box, which is insane. More expensive than regular master sets. I think overall that methodology for something like a reprint set is the way they need to do it. Like still involve your community, still get contributors out there, give them their exclusive cards to reveal, but give them a very short time frame to do it, stack it and have that huge hype wave. With Dominaria Remastered specifically, is we actually saw a release date, which I think was January 4th. And then we saw it pulled back and they said, oh, we just will put a generic date, which they ended up putting like 
2024. 2024, like a generic, like we don't know when it's going to be. I think that was more of an Amazon thing than a Wizards thing, but yeah. And then they came back last week, the end of last week, and said January 13th, that's officially when it's coming out. And so I'm wondering if that might have been the thing is they were like, they've had a lot of supply issues lately. They've had a lot of printing issues. I wonder if they were like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where this is going to land. And they were like, oh shit, we finally figured it out. But we now only have like less than a month until that date. We have to push the spoilers now. Yeah, or, you know, kind of like we said with that Liliana example earlier, pre-orders weren't maybe meeting what they want. You know, Dominaria obviously is like the birthplace of magic when it comes to planes. So 17 sets, I think is the number. 17 sets have taken place or been connected partially to Dominaria. So at this point, I don't think there's anybody in the player base, unless you literally started yesterday. And live under a rock. That can't have some kind of connection with Dominaria. So them coming out and saying, oh, we're reprinting cards from Dominaria's past. Like, eh, been there, seen that. But then they kicked it into gear with the spoilers and went big. You know, on top of that, we also saw something unique with the upcoming Phyrexia One Will Be All set where we get this quote unquote first look where I think it was seven spoilers, including, you know, some new basic art, basic land arts. I thought that was the first look. I just scrolled past it. I didn't want to really read the article. Um, so all I saw were the basic lands. Yeah. And during a talk, I believe last week when they announced they were going to do this first look, it was described, I think it was on Daily MTG. Either way, not important. But they described it as a first look for retailers and stores that they're opening up to the general player base, which I don't think is necessarily a lie, but I don't think it's necessarily truthful because you bring in WPN stores, everyone in the magic world is going to know about it anyways. With all of these changes that we're seeing, with the sped up two-day spoiler season for Dominaria Remastered, with first looks coming out of all is one we also have to think they may have we don't know for a fact but they may have just come out of one of like the most financially like devastating sales that they've ever tried to have with the magic 30th anniversary edition they also just came out of everyone basically saying that they're running this game into the ground no matter whether they came online and said Hey, no, we're not doing that. There's a lot of controversy, as always, but maybe a little more than usual going on with Watsy and Hasbro right now. I wouldn't be too surprised if they were doing a little bit of scrambling. Yeah, I don't care what they say about the the cost of paper pulp going up and that driving some of their management decisions like they talked about when they admitted that they were doing nothing wrong with their release schedule. But I think they could have sold three of those Magic 30 sets and made money. Not going to lie. Like, three grand right off the top, like, it probably covered all their printing costs for their I'm, entire set. I'm sure it's cents on the dollar, yeah, right? Probably this not is just R&D, paper. all that, but, like, for the physical investment that they made, they covered it easily. Where's the R&D? You're just reprinting a set. I mean, they made a new backs. They have to get get it approved. I'm sure there were some lawyers on their retainer that were making sure that they weren't going to shit the bed with the reserve list promise. Shit like that. Which is probably a another issue that they're dealing with right now where legally they have not reprinted reserve list cards in their mind. Not even in their mind. Legally. Legally, they could fight it in court, which is probably, like Matt said, something that they had to deal with. Now, the unfortunate problem is I don't think 
a lot of the whales and collectors in the magic space care too much about legally not reprinting the reserve list. I think they're going to see some backlash in the near future if they have not already that I've missed about printing that set. But again, like I said, I think the changes that we're seeing to spoiler season does have something to do with the issues they were dealing with throughout November. I guess... Spoiler season is over. Like we say it's perpetual and it definitely feels like it's perpetual because we got that first look today with spoilers in it. But the actual spoiler season for Phyrexia All Will Be One doesn't start, I think, for a couple of weeks. So theoretically there's gonna be nothing. Is it technically our spring set? Do we get it? It's early March that we get it, right? No, it's Q1. I think it I think pre-release is that first weekend in February. It, it spans it? the January, February weekend. The spoilers we got for it, though, I want to take a second to talk about those. We finally got Elish Norn, which is the card Kyle kept saying Dees on. It's Dees. It's Panharmonicon and Torpor Orb on a body for five mana, four seven Vigilance. It's everything every commander player wants and hates at the same time. When they released Shouldred, or Spoiled Shouldred, Kyle and I had a discussion about she obviously is blatantly powerful. Elish Norn, as the leader of the Phyrexian Church, has to be more powerful. And I don't think they necessarily missed that mark. I think she's incredibly powerful, but in a very different way than Shoulder it is. They preserved that quote-unquote opponent oppression by preventing ETVs. They gave you a big benefit, which in the right deck is probably bigger than buffing your creatures, like original Elish Norn. I think in most decks now, ETBs are very prevalent. I think they're both really good. I think they're both, like you said, they're both oppressive as the two most powerful, as I've always seen it, at, at least lore-wise, Shieldred and Elish Norn are the two most powerful praetors. They're the ones that have, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit of wearingly, I guess, didn't really want to, but kind of had to work together. So they did. But I feel like Elish Norn is just barely more powerful and holds the reins. But I feel like Shieldred has always been like right there, could possibly. And so I like that they're both just as powerful as each other. Because like you said, everyone's going to draw cards. Even if it's just the one card you draw each turn, you're going to draw cards. I like that they're both kind of stacksy. Well, that's 100% what it is. It's stacks. It, yeah. It doesn't necessarily fit my idea because I when I think stacks, I think taxes. And there's no paying here, but it's still stacks. It's still stacks. I, I love that they're both stacksy. I love that they both, in their own way, right? Elish Norn makes yours better and theirs worse, how Elish Norn always has. And Shieldred punishes them and rewards you as she always has. So they're both stacksy in their own right, but they still flavorly work towards their previous Iterations. They're both they both do their own the, the same thing in their own section of the color pie. Both benefit you. They both are detract from your opponent. And right. That's that's a common thing, I guess, with all Praetors, really. Even the new Vorinclex does that. The new Gingitaxis does that with countering stuff. And the old ones did too. Right. But right, they right. Do that's it, the theme with Praetors. They do that properly within their color what pie. Urabrask do. Urabrask is the so the original one is haste. Yeah, and and the new one is creatures enter tap for your opponent's control. Also haste. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't give haste. It exiles cards, because I know it's in my Prosper deck. So I know it exiles and lets you cast stuff from exile. I don't remember what it does to your... Oh, you know what? It actually it makes everybody, instead of drawing their first card their turn, exile that card. They may cast that card this turn. Because Urbrask has always been the worst of them. And, and he's red, so you do impulse draw. And he's red, but he's also the only one that doesn't reward you and punish your opponents. 
yeah, it's kind of an even playing field with this new one. The, the last one definitely punishes you by making creatures enter. But story-wise, I also think that makes sense because Urbrask has always not gone with the other Praetors. Always the biggest bitch. He's always fought against them in some way, whether it's protecting uh, Mirrodins, whether it's being in New Capenna trying to find a way to stop them, which I'm very interested to see. Again, I, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times. Is Urbrask stuck on New Capenna? Somebody tell me where Urbrask is. I don't know where he's at. I knew he's getting a reprint as some kind of new showcase art in this set because all the new Praetors are. And they're all showcase. You can only get them as those showcase. That's my understanding the old so ones. far. Yeah. The old ones. Barring Ellis Nord. You can get her in like, seems like five different I, printings. I swear to God, they've already spoiled five different printings. Yeah. But, or not printings, but artwork. Artwork. Yep. But kind of on the same thread of Urabras, it's my boy Koth is back. Koth is back. Ah, two of our boys are back. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wait, let's talk about Koth first. And it's not the same card, but it feels very much like he found his hammer and brought it back. It's very on theme for what the original cost is. I heard, so I still haven't read the lore for this arc and magic. And I, 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 re I will go back and I'll read everything. But I do watch a lot of YouTube on magic lore. And I guess the... <laughs> official lore for Koth that I've read so far is he has just been on new Phyrexia swinging that hammer the entire time. Just freaking putting Phyrexians down. Leader of the resistance on new Phyrexia. No one gave him the memo that they lost. He was just there in his pit fighting. And his card is good. It is a good comeback. We just lost a mono red uh, planeswalker. It's awesome to get one back. Bigger news, he's at rare. And I'm going to tell you why here in a second. There's going to be 10 Planeswalkers in this set. Pseudo War of the Spark, not necessarily on that level. So that means we're going to get rares, like Koth. We're going to get Mythics. Teferi's going to be a Mythic automatically. I already know. I'm going to guess which ones get completed. So well, that's the big thing. We didn't tell them yet. Five of those 10 will be completed. At least that's what they alluded to with an ending sentence in their first look. So before we go into completed Planeswalkers or the 10, we'll talk about the 10 that are going to be there first, and then we'll talk about the completed ones. Before we get into that, we have an 11th Planeswalker. Pseudo-Planeswalker. An 11th. We have an 11th used-to-be Planeswalker who is now a Phyrexian corpse. And that is Venser, our poor baby boy Venser. But since he's a corpse, can you really say it's him anymore? I guess we'll have to wait and see. We're, we're going to have to see what the story is, but can you really say a Johnny's himself anymore? People on Reddit are adamant that being completed is going to be reversed. And they're adamant because, one, they're making that big push with this set where five of them are going to be completed. They can't do that to the story because yeah. there's there's big names. There's Jace. There's Nyssa. They 100% can. Yes, there are big names, but they've already worked on replacing those big names. Or I don't think they're going to be replaced. We'll get into that. I think allowing completion to be reversed is bad story writing. I think at the end of the day, it's really bad story writing. It kind of gives us that Marvel DC feel of nothing matters. Like there's no risk they're actually taking. I agree. And I don't necessarily think being completed means you're bad. You're for Phyrexia, obviously, but I don't think the Phyrexians aren't necessarily bad. They're definitely opposed to the, the main story of the Gatewatch and Dominaria and Mirrodin before that. And we get a very one-sided view of that, but realistically, 
basically, what are they really doing? They're doing what they were designed to do. Matt and I talked about this. I, I think we're more likely going to see them not die, but go from being lawful good characters to neutral or some to, kind of chaotic to good. chaotic neutral, you know, yeah. it, most likely chaotic neutral. Once the hive mind of Phyrexia is destroyed, once the Praetors, Elish Norn specifically, does not exist anymore, I think they're going to you know, kind of snap out of it in the sense of they're never going to be who they were, but they're not evil freaking conquerors anymore. I do think, unfortunately, that kind of positions positions them in a way where we're not going to see them in main Gatewatch-esque set, but we'll see them in stuff like that where the Gatewatch isn't present, but we'll have obviously a couple Planeswalkers. Garrick is probably our chaotic neutral Planeswalker right now who's gone back and forth between being good and bad. Yep, and he kind of just weaves his way in through the timeline, showing up on random planes, going to other random Right. You're, you're going to see side stories about a Johnny doing completed a Johnny things where maybe he's, you know, tying up some loose ends that he had himself that are still kind of present in his mind, but aren't necessarily him doing good guy gatewatch stuff. Or maybe stuff that before he was morally objective to or morally against. And now that he's been completed and loses some of that sense of morality can go back and put the, you know, what it, I don't even know what his weapon is called. It's some kind of weird double sided axe goes down and puts the axe down on you know people yeah. that he necessarily might not have when he was a good boy yeah maybe he you know he's going home and putting the hurt down on other tribes or something like yeah, that yeah gotta keep those leonins in line yeah who knows with that let's get into matt did you pull up the 10 planeswalkers i did i definitely don't know all their names so i'm gonna totally butcher this but we got jace nahiri nissa kaivartel koth kaya the wandering emperor Luca, Vraska, and the Ninja Boy from Kamigawa. I, I know who you're talking about. Zero or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's the black blue Ninja Boy who protects the Wandering Emperor. I, I saw this broken down in a good way. There's two planeswalkers for each color. They're predominant color. I will tell you, I will tell you right off the bat, there's two planeswalkers that I think for sure will be completed. There's no doubt in my mind they are going to be completed. And we know we know Koth makes it because we see his card. We know Koth makes it. He's not one of them. And, and then I was going to say there's there's a couple that I actually think are for sure going to make it. I'll just start. We're going to do this by Keller. We'll start with red since we know Koth makes it. The other red planeswalker among those 10 is Luka. And we saw him on Ikoria. No, Nahiri's white in this case. Okay. Luka gets completed. Has to be. It has to be Luca. Koth is not going to be completed. Luca, I do think that he would be kind of an interesting anti-hero. Kind of an interesting, maybe a uh, replacement for Obnixilis as he's only helping out the Gatewatch when he absolutely has to. And he's not necessarily a full good guy because he cares more about Ikoria and his own thing. He's always, he's, he's one with the creatures. And it's something, he definitely suffers from what a lot of things happen in Magic where their story definitely does not live up to their card types and what they print in the set. But canonically, Luca is very creature orientated. He bonds with animals, that Which kind of thing. makes him a really good completed planeswalker because it's so opposite of what he is. Well, I've seen a couple of good jokes about this where he, he goes and there's festermites or something like that. And he, he tries to befriend one because that's what he does. He makes friends with pets and he picks it up in his hand and, oh, what's this glistening oil leaking out of this festermite onto my hand? And boom, completed. The other one is he 
is so neutral that he wants to go and see Phyrexia's side of the argument, and then they just fucking take advantage of him and axe him there. Luca is going to be completed. Koth yeah. is not. We know Koth is not, so it's got to be Luca. And I think that that is the best choice. I didn't even think of it color wise, and that's he's one of the ones I texted Matt earlier and said Luca's getting completed. Yep, hundred percent. So we already touched on white. So we have Nahiri and the Wandering Emperor. It's Nahiri. Her story's it, over. Yeah, done. Soren visit her when she's been completed. It's, now they have a good reason to fight because Nahiri will be completed. Soren and her's issue is for the most part resolved. They resolved it through War of the Spark. Whether that's a good resolution or not, she found out on Zendikar Rising that she can't protect Zendikar. She kind of sucks, and everyone else had to do it for her. Don't get me wrong. I do like Sahiri or Nahiri. I like her story. I like where they went with her but it's over also the emperor is way more badass than she is and the emperor is so cool and you cannot just kill the emperor of kamigawa or complete whatever you want to call it it just can't happen so for green we have battle of the elves going on we got og nissa and tyvar kel easy it's nissa you think it's Nissa? Again, story's over. Nissa's boring. She has no depth. People have had a problem with Nissa for so long. But what does Tyvar Kell have? Tyvar Kell is freaking Viking world champion of the elves. He understands the world tree. Tyvar Kell is going to help shut down the Phyrexian world tree. But don't you see, think the Phyrexians see it as a threat and push for him? It's true. It's he, true. He's the logical choice for Phyrexia to complete. He is the logical choice for Phyrexia to complete, but they need to knock off a member of the Gatewatch, and it's going to be Nyssa. Well, Nyssa is the obvious choice in the eyes of storytelling, in my opinion. So I do agree they have to knock off a member of the Gatewatch, it's, and I'm going to tell you why it's going to be Vraska. I forgot Vraska's a member of the Gatewatch. Vraska is going to get completed, but I don't think that's why. So... In black, we have Kaya and Vraska. I don't think it's physically possible to complete Kaya. Her main ability is to ghost form away. How are they going to complete that? Would she just literally turns the vapor and like yeets out of there? That's my argument exactly. Kaya is not going to be completed because of her ability. She she her ability is directly opposed to the Phyrexians entirely. I do think that Vraska, again, same with Nahiri, her story's kind of over. I mean, she is, oh, obviously a member of the Gatewatch, but she does lead her own guild on Ravnica now. She does, and I think that... So does Kaya, I guess. They're both guild leaders. I was going to say, I think a guild leader is going to have to go down. I think that's another thing that we're going to see. Why not? Well, I guess they're both members of the Gatewatch, too. So either way, it's a double whammy. I did not consider the Gatewatch because I was thinking original members of the Gatewatch. An original member of the Gatewatch is going to, to be completed, and it will not be Jace. And I'll get into that once we get into Blue. Which is next. Which is next. With Jace and Ninja Boy for Kamigawa. I don't think it's even even questionable. Like, it's Ninja Boy. It has to be. He doesn't have, as far as I know, he doesn't really have any role in any story. I mean, he's the protector of the Emperor, but I think I think Emperor that's going to be the thing. protecting anymore. I think he's going to be completed protecting the emperor yeah that could be i could see that jace is the face of magic whether you like it or not wizards of the coast has made jace the face of magic they've pushed for that to be a thing i don't know if it was intentional or if it just happened but that's a thing I do not think they're going to complete Jace. Because of that, Nyssa will be completed because an original member of the Gatewatch must go down. I mean, they already got a Johnny. They did get a Johnny already, but I'm just, I've been kind of looking at, they kind of set this up in pairs naturally because they have color pairs. They have two 
Well, not members. just color pairs. They have two guild leaders. They have two original members of Gatewatch, two people from Kamigawa, two people from Ikoria. Nope, only one member from Ikoria. Oh, you're right. It's Ikoria and Kaltheim. Something else I kind of want to look at is the art they chose to represent these. And I'll throw this image up on our social, so make sure you go and check it out. For Jace, we get his World Wake art, which famously is Jace the Mind Sculptor. And I don't think they're going to... They would have told us already if we're getting Mind Sculptor. They, they would not be able to bury that lead, but it's definitely interesting. You heard it here first, Mind Sculptor reprint. Well, then look at it. The rest of them are relatively modern sets. I mean, part of that is because... A lot of these are new Planeswalkers, but Koth is one of the oldest Planeswalkers here, and they gave him the Phyrexia all would be on Every single one of these is a modern set, except for World Wake. Yeah, Nissa, they gave War of the Spark, which is only, you know, a few years old. Zendikar Rising for Nahiri. All these Planeswalkers that have the option of having old cards. Like, do you think Braska's it's maybe... War of the Spark also? I don't know. Is it possibly their best iteration? Or maybe just someone in their marketing world like that poster. So they put it in here. I, I, don't know. I, I think it's very strange that every single one of these is within, what, three years? Three or four. Yeah. Three or four, except for Jace. Yeah, Jace goes back a decade. Even, I mean, Koth is really the, that's the red flag for me. Because like you said, he is one of the oldest Planeswalkers here. And he had, they and they him decided, his new art. They decided to give him his brand new art. Maybe that's just a marketing thing to market the new set, but I don't know. That That is something I was noticing earlier as well. I don't know if, I don't think we're going to get a Mind Sculptor reprint. At least not in this set. We got to remember, there is another set in this pseudo block right. coming. But look what happened in Dominaria United. We got a Liliana reprint out of nowhere. We got the best Liliana, Liliana of the Veil. The also best. about a decade old. I would not be surprised if we saw a Mind Sculptor in All is One or March of the Machines, which I think is the set after that. Or maybe some kind of showcase version of them, like they did with the, the bringing back the new Praetors where they gave them exclusive art. Print a new Jace that only, you know, I hate to say, available in collector boosters or whatever. Maybe we get, so we have not seen any uh, Mystical Archive-esque cards like we got in Brothers War yet for this one. So we didn't get them in Dominaria United. We got them in Brothers War and we don't know if we're getting them in this set yet. Maybe we get them in the next set and it's all special art planeswalkers rather than special art uh, artifacts. So definitely some fire options. I think if we don't get that kind of special treatment, like the retro frame artifacts or the mystical archives, it'd almost be safe to say it's skipping. I think that's a safe bet. I think it's a safe bet now that I'm looking back at it. What was before Dominari United? New Capenna. But New Capenna didn't have one either. Yes, it did. There was like their Art Deco. But they had their Art Deco, but those those weren't reprints, non-standard reprints. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm just randomly picky. I'm I, not sure how they do it, but I I would say it's a safe bet to assume we just got it in Brothers War. We're not going to get it in Phyrexia's All is One. But we will get it in March of the Machines. And I think we will. And I think doing retro art, maybe not retro art, but doing special art planeswalkers, especially every planeswalker that was affected. Like let's get let's get a reprint. When was the last time we had a reprint of Venser Sojourner? When he died. Exactly. Like let's get a reprint of Venser. Let's get let's get reprints of old Koth. Let's get reprints of Karn Liberated. You know, let's let's get They did do that. It's called Jumpstart. Yeah, Jumpstart or Mythic Edition or whatever other 
other buy this from us. They want to shove down our throat. But like Matt and I said last episode, these mystical archive-esque treatments that they have been doing off and on, this is a good place to do them. That is a good idea to do them with. Do it in the big show-off. Do it in the... I mean, they kind of did it with War of the Spark. Obviously, they just printed all of these into standard and then gave us waifus of them. But, you know, it's, it's a good idea. Like... People love Planeswalkers as much as a lot of older players hate them because Planeswalkers are relatively, I don't want to say new, but new-ish in the history of Magic the Gathering. As far as card types go. Right. People love Planeswalkers. People connect with these. I constantly have talks with people all the time about who their favorite Planeswalker is and following their story. It's a good idea for them to do that as a treatment. And Wizards of the Coast, more than ever, should, you know, throw a little love to the player base. Right, and this is getting a bit into the world of leaks. I distinctly remember back, I think, when they announced the name for Phyrexia All Will Be One and War of the Machine or whatever it's called. There were several leaks of foil cards that were reprints from original new Phyrexia, Scars of Mirren and Mirren and Besiege. Cards specifically with Infect is why I remember this, that the foiling treatment on it was pseudo galaxy foil like but instead of starburst and stuff like that it was phyrexian symbols and was it phyrexian symbols or like phyrexian oil it was Phyrexian symbols. Yeah, with the circle with the line through it. Yeah, and they look super sweet. And interesting enough, we're getting a new mechanic in the set, which, you know, is super excited for. It's called Toxic. It's Toxic with some kind of follow-up number. So one, two, three, so on. And basically what it is is when a creature with Toxic deals combat damage, they deal that much poison also. So if it's Toxic 1 and it's a 2-1 flyer, they do 2 combat damage and 1 poison So damage. it's poison... But with or damage. It's infect with damage. Yes. That's incredible. And it'll be more control because obviously you won't have things like Blight Steel swinging in for 11 infect. There'll be probably 11 11s with Toxic 2. So you'll get two poison counters. It's not instant death, but I actually think it's still more powerful than infect. And it still more importantly works with infect as it exists now. You're still getting it's poison still counters. Poison it's counters. still is affected by proliferate. Old cards that care about poison counters and. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's Phyrexian Obliterator. It's a green, like two green and five or something like that. But you either when it deals combat damage or some kind of trigger occurs and you make a number of one ones equal to the number of poison encounters your opponents have. Obliterator's like, black. Okay. It, it's Phyrexian something. It's green. People are trying to spec on it on Reddit. That's why I know. But yeah, it, you know, it just keeps on building. That's in- awesome. We've also seen spoilers for the return of just poison in general or infect in general is that correct well that's kind of what i was talking about with those foil cards where we saw reprints of infect cards specifically it was that old one one with flying and infect i can't remember the name of it not vault scourge maybe it is vault scourge no um i know what you're talking about uh my brain keeps wanting to go Glistener Elf, but it's not Glistener Elf either. I mean, I, I'm sure that's up there with those reprints. Yeah, yeah. Glistener Elf is a great reprint. It's, oh man, I know what you're talking about. I used yeah, to Bulk run. Scourge is Lifelink. It is from New Phyrexia. It's, uh, shoot. I used to run a Notremi Mutate deck that ran it. Either way. Super cool to see this back, especially if they do get that new treatment, because although it was kind of gaudy, it was super cool to see all the, the foiling Phyrexian symbols. 
kind of the last big spoiler to talk about from this first look we got, and I'm super stoked for because I'm a sucker for them, are Phyrexian full art basic lands. And I'll, I'll throw an example of a forest up in our socials for anybody that wants to take a look. They are sweet. Like, obviously, Phyrexian writing, in they just scream Phyrexian. There's one for each color. I'm sure they're going to be limited to set and collector boosters, but awesome. They're incredible. I'm... <sighs> Every time they release a really cool full art, they did it in Kamigawa. They're they're doing it now. Even the Midnight Hunt ones with the black and white. Oh, for sure. I I get so angry because I'm like, I'm not spending money on basic lands. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. But God, do I want a full deck of these lands. They're so cool. There's whatnot auctions for them. Yeah. (laughs) New new not sponsor because Matt's been obsessed with whatnot auctions. Don't do it. It's a trap. Take my word for it. All right, well, I think that's pretty much wraps it up for the spoiler conversation. I'm sure that this is one of those episodes that's going to be brought up a lot in the future. Like we said, we're perpetually in spoiler season. So uh, we may reference this a lot. So if you've already heard it, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. And as always, you know, hit the socials. Let us know what we missed, what you want to talk about, how you think spoiler season is going, because it's just one season now. Anyways. I'm Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Thanks for listening.